Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. Hello, hello, and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hope you're doing well. I am talking on this episode to Jess from I Am Paying Attention, all about ADHD. Now, I Am Paying Attention is the badass neurodivergent community for those with ADHD and autism. And I discovered their Instagram page. It's Jess and Mia who are the founders. I discovered it because I was researching ADHD because suddenly over the pandemic, lots of people that I knew, one family member, one good friend of mine, were recently diagnosed with ADHD. And I was just hearing about it a lot. Things like my coach, my business coach, you know, came out and started talking about ADHD, that she'd got diagnosed and, you know, a few different people. And it just seemed like more and more people are realising that they're neurodivergent, basically. And so there is a link between anxiety and ADHD. It can be that if you are neurodivergent, you're more likely to experience anxiety. So there is a link there. And I just thought it was a really interesting topic. Whether you experience it yourself, whether you suspect you do, whether someone that you love has ADHD, this is going to be a useful listen so that you can support and understand them better. And I loved speaking to Jess. She's a really lovely person, incredibly warm, incredibly chatty, really interesting hearing her story of experiencing ADHD and how she manages it. And so we talk about the signs of ADHD and why they might be different in women because there are differences in how ADHD can present, whether you're a man or woman or a boy or a girl. We talk about why so many women were diagnosed with ADHD in the pandemic And we also talk about whether there's a genetic cause of ADHD. We talk about the links with anxiety. We talk about the stigma with ADHD. And also, of course, the practical things that may help if you are struggling or if you're wanting to support someone who has ADHD. So really interesting episode. I loved this conversation. Hope you love it as well. I also wanted to invite you to a free masterclass that I'm running on the 31st of January, 2022. And if you register for it, you will get the replay if you can't join live. And in this free masterclass, I'm going to be sharing four simple steps to overcoming your anxiety and becoming your calmest self. 
And in it, you'll discover the three biggest limiting beliefs that are keeping you stuck and how to shift them. We'll talk about the key thing that most people don't realize about anxiety. We talk about how to get to the root of your anxiety. And I'll also be leading a live and powerful hypnotherapy session to reprogram your mind to be calmer and more present, more grounded and more fully yourself. So if you'd like to join me, these are basically one of my favorite things to do. I love getting to connect with you guys and hear from you in the chat box and share these tools with you. It's completely free to register. You can head over to karma-u.com forward slash anxiety to get this free masterclass. It's happening live, but you'll be sent the replay if you can't join live. And so many people have told me that they come away feeling like something has really shifted for them, coming away with more tools, feeling less alone, learning more about themselves and feeling more empowered and excited about the future. So I hope you're going to join me again. That URL is in the show notes, but I'll share it again. Karma-u.com forward slash anxiety. So let's get into the interview with Jess from I Am Paying Attention. So welcome, Jess. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. How how are you doing today? Good. Yeah, good. Um, better than the weather, which I feel like sometimes when it's just like absolutely miserable, like it is today, I just struggle to get anything done at all. But I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling like, you know, my brain is actually switched on, which is useful. <laughs> Good stuff. And whereabouts are you? Are you based in London or? I am actually based in uh, Leamington Spa, which is oh. like Warwickshire. Um, I've only been here a couple of years. Um, I used to live in Stourbridge, which is like, you know, not too far from Birmingham. But I really love it here. I feel like it's very, I feel like it's got everything that I need. So yeah. Nice, nice, nice. I think spa towns are supposed to be like, healthy or something aren't they yeah. like the air. It's, it's really lovely honestly I think it's just quite young and I just feel really inspired when I'm just sort of walking through it there's lots of different things like a lot of green but also lots of nice independent coffee shops which I enjoy a lot nice nice sounds good can you share just to kick us off a bit about what you do and how you got to where I you are here. yeah sure so I am about a year in to um, working on a platform that I built with my best friend and business partner, Mia. Um, We've known each other for around 10 years now, and we were always really close, but we figured out um, just over a year ago that there was probably a little more to why we got on so well. Um, And it turns out um, we are both neurodivergent and we sort of embarked on our journeys, our neurodivergent journeys around the same time. Um, And we quite quickly realized that we wouldn't have been able to experience those journeys in the way that we did um, without the support of each other. And we found that although there were some amazing resources on ADHD um, and autism, which we've started to explore more as well, we didn't feel like there were any resources or any communities that 
accurately represented us. And so we decided to just go ahead and create one. So we now have um, an ADHD and autism platform called I Am Paying Attention in which we just discuss the nitty gritty, maybe not so talked about um, sides of neurodivergence. And I think the great part about why it works so well um, is because we are just very honest. And, you know, it's basically just um, off of the back of us talking about our experiences. And now we often um, talk to other people who, you know, might have different experiences me and Mia are both white cis women um and so yeah we've just been learning a lot and the last year has flown by but it's been exciting that's awesome and that's yeah how I found out about you on Instagram I can't remember if someone shared something that you'd posted and I saw it or if I stumbled upon it but yeah really amazing thank you so interesting much. stuff that you're posting thank you it's blown up like very quickly we're just over seventy five thousand um followers yeah we're just over at 75 now and you know that that's just happened in the last year but I think a combination of Mia by um profession um was always a designer and I love to talk so (laughs) a combination of you know both of our very raw and real experiences um her beautiful design work wording things in a way that is just very human also maybe slightly easier to read as someone who is neurodivergent it's yeah it's it's grown quite quickly can you can you share a bit more about your own story and how you came to discover that you were neurodivergent and what that was like and diagnosis and that sort of thing absolutely so I struggled quite a lot at school and when I say struggled I don't think that other people would have necessarily thought that I was struggling Um, but that's quite common actually in people who have ADHD and also sometimes autistic as well especially for girls we can be Um, appearing to be doing fine but the amount of overcompensating that we're doing um, is just quite honestly exhausting and I remember daydreaming quite a lot and my memory wasn't great so you know I'd go home and and then maybe like a few nights or a night before I was supposed to submit a project I'd be freaking out and having my mum help me and so I'd still turn you know work in it wouldn't be like oh why is Jess not you know, submitted any work, but it was maybe just like missing pieces of criteria. And that was obviously because I'd rushed it. Um, Or, you know, there are various things that make producing work with ADHD difficult. And then I moved into uni and my mental health wasn't great. It was okay. But, you know, looking back now, it, it was you know my mental health was difficult because Mm. I didn't know that I was neurodivergent and then when it came to the workplace I actually worked in quite a few admin based roles and looking back now it's almost amusing because someone with my attention span should not be an admin but I quite honestly just felt like I was always trying to play catch up um I always 
just found myself so frustrated and disappointed in myself because I know that I'm a very capable, intelligent and creative person, but I just always be struggling. And no matter how much I wanted to get something done, I just couldn't manage to get it done. So, you know, I'd experienced a couple of roles like that. I even got let go from one, which is also quite common in neurodivergent people. When the pandemic hit, I was basically forced to look up my behaviours and really just sit with what was very uncomfortable. Um, And I remember the thing that kind of triggered it was that I had responded to a situation where my partner had had like too many noises on at once. Like he'd had the TV on and he'd been looking on his phone. Um, And I know now that that was overstimulation, which, you know, can happen in people with ADHD. But um, for me, I think it was probably autism that had me responding in in such a way. But I just went from zero to 100 so quickly. And it, it happened a few times. And I just remember being so upset because I just remember feeling like, this as a person isn't how I would react to a situation, but it was so immediately stressful. And I just remember Googling some of these things. And I remember seeing things like highly sensitive person came up, which as I know now, I think a lot of people who think they're highly sensitive people are likely autistic, but it kind of led me down a route of like ADH calls and I looked on Twitter a lot and just listening to people in the community and it very quickly became like oh okay all of these people are talking about struggles that I've always had and never been able to articulate and I'm finding out now that it's actually not just um you know a character flaw it's um actually looking a lot like it's ADHD after plenty of conversations with Mia um, who related to a lot of the things that I was sending her and I think she was also going on a similar journey at the same time. Um, I made a call to my GP and that was a lot of backwards and forwards but finally I got referred um, and at this point the waiting list wasn't too bad Um, so I think it was maybe October um, that I made the first call and I was diagnosed with ADHD at the end of January so then you know that was kind of the very start that was the first chapter Um, and then things just spiraled and we started talking about it more and um yeah here we are and it seems like I don't know if it's because I've I've kind of started researching this world because I've got a family member who got got diagnosed with ADHD mm-hmm. during the pandemic or whether it is just the case that more and more people are talking about this and more I think it is the case that, that more people are talking about it it's suddenly something that is has gone more mainstream whereas a few I- years ago no one really knew what it was. You didn't probably know someone or they maybe wouldn't admit they had ADHD. And now I know lots of people who, who've come out and said, actually during the pandemic, I've, I've been diagnosed and everything makes sense now. Completely. And I think it is, you know, 
an extremely validating thing to realise that actually those things that you are so frustrated and disappointed in yourself for aren't your fault and you aren't lazy. I mean, I kind of disagree with the concept of lazy in itself because I think there's always something behind it. But I think, yeah, a lot of people have felt extremely validated um, in just understanding their brains a bit more and I think that's something that me and Mia feel very strongly about you know whatever it looks like whether it's ADHD whether it's autism whether it's anything that falls under the category um, of neurodivergence it's just that knowing yourself better and how you work puts you in a way better position and you know if we'd have known these things much earlier because as you said, you know, a lot of people are coming out and saying, oh, okay, I have ADHD. There's a huge wave of um, people in their late 20s or, you know, even older who didn't know. And I think if we'd have if we'd have known earlier, that could have saved us from a lot of, you know, trauma, quite honestly, um, and very damaged confidence. You know, I can't tell you like how much the damaged confidence actually has impacted me honestly sometimes even more than the ADHD symptoms itself because when you think about beginning a task it's like oh am I even going to finish this what's the point or you know am I going to be able to hold my focus or you know that there's so much doubt that starts to sit with you all the time and that is Mm a really difficult thing and it's just you know it's so frustrating to think about all of those people who wouldn't be feeling the way that they do about themselves if if they knew but I think yeah that's exactly why why we're doing what we're doing um and just talking about it more because the more we talk about it and the more we know what it actually looks like um the more people are in a better position to just navigate their lives you know, as themselves, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And so for people listening who don't know much about ADHD, can you describe what are the signs and symptoms and do they differ? I know that they differ in, in boys and girls and men and women in, in certain ways. Can you explain that a bit? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, it's, it's, When I first heard about ADHD, I had this preconception that I think a lot of us did. Um, And to be honest, that's very much moulded around young white boys that were loud and bouncing off the walls. Um, But that's not the case at all. ADHD is, you know, a a different neurotype. So our our brains are wired differently Um, and it can affect things like your concentration. But that's not just like, oh, I can't hold my focus. You know, we can often sit for hours and hours if it's something we're interested in because we have interest-driven brains. But it's the difficulty with regulating that attention um, and it can affect things like regulating your mood. That can be quite difficult as well. There are, as you said, differences in how it shows in different people. But I think, honestly, there are factors like you know, whether you grew up poor or whether you grew up with a really great like family support network, 
and you know whether you are black whether you're what there are so many factors um that can change how it might present in people um but honestly I'd say it's difficult to give a one-size-fits-all summary of how it might present in someone. Um, For me, it quite often is fidgeting and um, struggling to hold my focus on tasks. And one of the things that I have struggled with most is um, something called executive dysfunction, um, which is basically a phrase that summarises when you can want to do something with everything you have but just getting up and doing it isn't an option um it's a lot more complex and difficult than that and um I think that definitely contributes to a lot of shame as well but yeah there are so many things um that ADHD can present as and those are just a few of them Mm, yeah okay yeah so it's interesting that it can be it could be different for different people. I was listening to a podcast the other day and there were three women in business who had ADHD and they and they described kind of similar things but they did present themselves in different ways. So one person, you know, couldn't sit still, another person was really focused sometimes and not focused at all at other times and just different experiences I suppose were all different. So if you have a, a different wiring it's going to present it exactly yeah exactly and you know as I said uh, like it can quite often sit alongside other things so then for example might be someone who just has ADHD compared with someone who um, is autistic and has ADHD and that you know also might affect things because obviously autistic people sometimes not all the time um, will you know do a lot better with structure or that will be more important to them um and for example like me and Mia present quite differently she can absolutely throw herself into something and you know just work on it for hours and hours but um I quite often really need you know even Mia to like sit with me to get slightly longer tasks done um we've actually just introduced um, a feature relatively recently on our um you know for our members we do sort of, I guess, virtual hangouts, um, but it's what is known as body doubling, which is really helpful for a lot of um, people with ADHD. Um, and it's just, it's funny thinking back when, even when I look up my childhood, it's if someone had sat with me whilst I was trying to tidy my room, it would instantly become so much more doable. But for some reason, if they weren't there, that task would just be, you know, it would be way too overwhelming. I wouldn't be able to, like, I'd struggle to start. I'd struggle to finish it. Um, So body doubling is really helpful. And that's definitely one of the techniques that I rely on. But yeah, it it can just show up so differently in different people. And even, as I said, me and Mia quite often just, it it looks very different. So what is body doubling then? So it's, Having someone sit with you while you do a task, even if it's on Zoom or something. Exactly, exactly. So I, um, given the pandemic, um, quite often use it virtually, but it is exactly that. It's having someone sit with you and just having their presence there. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean that you have them talking to you. In the sessions that we host, we just have like a small introduction. So we've got like that novelty there. And so it feels like a nice comfy space. And you're like, okay, I know that 
you know, I'd really like to get this task done today. And so we all sit there quietly for, you know, 50 minutes on mute. And then at the end, we check in. And honestly, I knew that it was amazing for me anyway. I, I know that it's a really useful tool for a lot of ADHDers, um, but just hearing some of the feedback, even from the sessions that we host is wonderful. Just hearing that people are able to get the things done that they've been putting off, whether that's laundry or work tasks or, you know, it, it honestly depends on whatever it is that they're struggling with or need a little bit of extra structure. But, you know, I used it when I was filling out the forms when I was trying, you know, when I was going through the diagnosis process um, and I just had my mum or sister on FaceTime. And in that case, I did just say like, oh, I don't know how to answer this question. And they'd kind of just help me break it down. Um, I think that's quite common in a lot of ADHDers. Like I know my brain just moves so quickly. There are so many thoughts that it just feels so chaotic. And it's like I have so many thoughts that it's sometimes hard to muddle through and figure out which one I should listen to um which is obviously just quite overwhelming so having someone there on hand just to kind of help you make sense of things um can be so useful I love that and it's kind of like I don't know having like an accountability buddy or something exactly. which would be useful for anyone in particular exactly. it sounds like if you have ADHD um, exactly yeah. yeah exactly that and I think it's really important that that accountability is shame free and judgment free and that's something that me and Mia have discussed quite a few times why our partnership works so well because sometimes we do just have so many things on the go that you know it can be either really exciting stuff that we'll just get thrown into um or sometimes the things that we've been putting off and it's nice to just know that someone is there to remind you that other things exist but not in a way where you should feel guilty or embarrassed about Mm -hmm. it because I know so many of us do I definitely did but that's something that I've really been working on unlearning and relearning healthier approaches this episode of the calm you podcast is sponsored by my online course your calmest self It's a course that gives you the tools to manage your anxiety without having to quit your life, move to an island and meditate for 10 hours a day. So this course is for you if you're somebody that constantly worries about what other people think of you. You hold yourself back from setting big goals because you're anxious and overwhelmed and unable to move forward with things. It's for you if you flop into bed every night exhausted by another anxious day, wishing you could just switch off and relax. It's for you if you don't speak up about things because you're nervous about getting it wrong or what people will say, whether they'll judge you. And it's for you if you've got a loud inner critic that puts you down all the time and stops you from doing the things that you want to do in your life. If this sounds like you, I'm here to help you change that. In this online course for anxiety, your karma self, I teach you the tools and techniques to become a calmer and more confident version of yourself. I use powerful hypnotherapy recordings and exercises from cognitive behavioral therapy, NLP, positive psychology, and more. If you'd like to live an anxiety-free life of confidence and calmness, come and take a look at my course at karma hyphen you.com forward slash program so it's karma you.com forward slash program yeah yeah what about 
we, we spoke on the phone before this conversation and you told me something that was really interesting that the ADHD is an inheritable trait in the same way that height is. Yeah. Can, you, can you say a bit more about that? And what, you know, a lot of people might be wondering what causes ADHD? Is it, is it genetic? Is it lifestyle? Is it yeah, it's, life it's events? It's absolutely genetic. Yeah, mm. it's absolutely genetic. And I think it's quite funny because I think that can commonly be another reason that people don't find out that they have ADHD till much later in life because these behaviors that we just do are actually normalized because we've grown up with them Mm. Um, after I was diagnosed I mean my mum who's in her 50s now has been informally diagnosed and is in in the process of getting a formal diagnosis as well Um, and you know for example there have been things like I, I have this like fidget that I do and have done for as long as I can remember where I kind of like twirl my hair and my mum does it and my sister does it and it's just really funny because there are so many things that we all might have put down to like oh that's just one of our quirks that's just who we are but um it is highly inheritable there are a lot of people that we've spoken to that have mentioned that they think they have ADHD or they have ADHD to their parents and their parents are like no everyone does that and it's like everyone doesn't do that but you probably just have ADHD too (laughs) yes yes interesting yeah I can definitely see in a few family members (laughs) that's it we all become a bit more clear so yeah okay so what about I mean, what what has it been, do you think, about the pandemic that has meant more people have gotten diagnosed? I think, as I said, um, with regards to my situation earlier, we have had to sit with a lot of uncomfortable things um, because we didn't have the, you know, we didn't, for example, those coping mechanisms that we might have used to manage some of the things um, that are maybe related to our ADHD had been stripped away from us. A lot more people were becoming aware, which meant that a lot more people were talking about it online. Um, And I think people were just really starting to think like, okay, I actually do that. And so, yeah, I just think the rise in awareness has been a huge factor um and then obviously more people have actually gone and got diagnosed as well so I Mm. I imagine you know it kind of has like a domino effect doesn't it um as you were saying you know with your family member having been diagnosed and then you go and research it more and we'll probably speak to your friends about it and yeah I think it's just becoming much more commonly discussed um in a context that it wasn't before um and I think people are starting to learn that ADHD isn't just like bouncing off the walls and being hyperactive. I mean, I think hyperactivity, you know, it can present as very fast thoughts or like, or, you know, it might be just someone who is very energetic. Um, But I think we're all collectively learning more about um, how ADHD can present and are starting to resonate with it a lot more. Well, I'm I'm curious to know what are the links between ADHD and anxiety because one of the things I saw you post on your Instagram was that you know people people might have 
I don't know, I don't know if they assumed or kind of labelled or, or can label people with ADHD or autism as having social anxiety, but it's actually not social anxiety, it's actually ADHD. Absolutely. So I think this one's so interesting because so many people with ADHD or or autism have actually had a diagnosis of anxiety or depression prior to getting a diagnosis or to realizing that um you know they are neurodivergent and i think if you think about the reality of not being able to meet expectations that other people have of you and not being able to meet expectations that you have of you the reality is you're not going to feel very calm when, you know, when you're trying to juggle so much and it feels like you're constantly trying to play catch up. That's a very anxiety inducing situation. And when you're, when you also throw in a very healthy splash of not feeling good enough because you can't meet these standards, that's only going to further that anxiety And with regards to that post you mentioned, um, that was one specifically that Mia had, you know, I remember us having that conversation where she'd come to that realisation. And so obviously, like, autistic people communicate in, you know, quite a different way sometimes to um, the way that um, non-autistic people communicate. You know, Mia, for example being in a social situation for her she thought that it was just completely anxiety inducing and didn't really understand what it was about those situations that made her anxious but on reflection and having you know um understood more about the way that she works and the way that we work she you know has now come to the realization that actually the way that she communicates with non-autistic people can take quite a lot of energy from her. For example, just even even things like holding eye contact as someone who is autistic can be really uncomfortable. That's something that neurotypical people do, you know, just as a standard and don't really struggle with it too much. But even even for me, um, I quite often, my eyes will dart around and I'm still exploring exactly what that means to me. But I think it is also because it can be really quite comfortable, uncomfortable to stare someone, you know, directly in the eyes if you think that there's something called masking that um, a lot of the autistic community um, talk about, which is essentially where we present in a way that is more comfortable for neurotypical people um, to interact with us in. And again, that can be quite draining. So um, we'll spend all of this energy interacting and engaging and communicating in ways that aren't natural to us so it's just you know as as we said quite anxiety inducing and really quite draining um but it's quite honestly been incredible to you know for me and Mia to come to these realizations and to be a lot more comfortable with it um you know we've had a few comments here and there when we've done lives together and people have said like wow like I've never really seen people move like me and you know me and me are quite often will be like fidgeting with our hair or like moving around in our seats or like scratching at our scalp or whatever and I think 
you know, we're becoming a lot more comfortable and a lot less apologetic about just who we are in our, I want to say natural state, but it's really interesting. And it's, it's obviously not always safe to um, unmask because some environments, you know, would, I guess, put you at risk depending on who you are around. But yeah, it's been an incredibly empowering journey so far. Yeah, amazing. I think that's a really beautiful kind of lesson for anyone, whether you have ADHD or autism or or social anxiety or anxiety, Mm -hmm. that kind of embracing yourself as you are. And actually, you know, one of the things I'm always telling people with social anxiety, like it's okay to be how you are. It's actually okay. It's okay to feel shy. It's okay to worry what people think because actually that's it's going to be a beautiful thing in lots of ways. And it's really so human. And if we can accept ourselves and embrace ourselves, then the, the, the kind of the problem starts to disappear. I mean, other people might still have a problem with it, but it, it dissolves a lot of the problem because Absolutely. we're able to accept ourselves. Absolutely. And I think, um, as you said, whether it's anxiety or whether it's ADHD or autism, if someone really has an issue with you presenting as you are, then that says a lot more about them than it does about you. And that's really a huge part of what me and Mia try to reiterate um, very often. You know, there are these standards that were created don't cater to us at all. I think encouraging people to look at what standards they're holding themselves to and whether they were ones that they intentionally decided to set or whether they were just ones that they felt like they needed to adhere to because society's kind of rammed it down our throats is really important. I think being more comfortable in who you are and being less apologetic in who you are is something that we should all be aiming for. It's obviously a long process, but yes, it's it makes a huge difference, right? Mm, yeah it's it's yeah it might it might be a journey but hopefully we can be on that path towards exactly. ourselves more exactly what was I going to ask you next <laughs> in my mind um yeah I was wondering about do you have any other practical things that people can do if they either they've been diagnosed or they suspect they might have mm. ADHD you, know, you mentioned the body doubling there. Are there other practical things people could do, can do to support themselves or to help themselves with this experience? Yeah, I think my first tip would really be to find a community that makes you feel like you. I think, you know, there are so many lovely people that we interact with on a daily basis, whether that's our community or somewhere else, because I think there is really something to be said for having people who just understand your experiences without you having to justify or explain it. Um, So I think that would be my first one is community. The next one I'd say is probably just, again, to like begin to learn and understand your brain a little more. So knowing that our brains are interest-driven For example, I struggled so much, like even a year ago, doing the washing felt like such a huge task for me that I put it off for so long. And now I have learned to like break it down into little steps. And for example, I would really hate like once I 
washed it and dried it, the putting away of the laundry was always the worst part. And now I'll quite often put some music um, in my earphones and I'll kind of make it into a game if I can. I'm like, okay, right, let's run upstairs and try and get as many things put away before this one song ends. Um, And I think my last one, so learning more about your brain and leaning into it, but then also starting to unpick that if you need downtime, that's okay too, because I think so many of us with ADHD, as we said earlier, have all of this shame built up. And I think that really prevents us from, you know, being able to slow down. And it's then like, oh, did you actually relax when you slowed down? And it's like, oh, no, because I was guilt tripping myself about all of these things I didn't do. And I think just learning more about how you work and starting to pay more attention to those standards that I mentioned earlier that we are holding ourselves to and remembering that you do deserve a break and that if you are exhausted by a task that you might have seen as simple or other people might reduce to you know something insignificant if it's hard for you then it's hard for you and that's completely valid there is absolutely you're absolutely not going to benefit from giving yourself a really hard time because you couldn't manage something and I mean quite honestly I still do struggle quite a lot with maintaining chores because you know it's one of those ongoing things but at the end of the day I now know that what I'm capable of and who I am isn't any less worthy just because my house might not be as tidy as other people's. Like it's, you know, I have ADHD and as much as I will be continuing to learn to do things in my way, like, you know, stashing things away, whether it's a cleaning product in that room that you're going to use it in and keeping it there. So it's on hand if you feel like doing it. I am just really starting to, Except that it's, you know, it's fine if I can't manage it sometimes. It doesn't mean I'm any less of a person. And anyone that tried to make me feel like that is not someone I'll be listening to. (laughs) Mm. I love that advice of if it's hard for you, it's hard. It's hard for you. And you you should be kind to yourself about that. You know, different people find different things hard if you have something like ADHD there might be certain things that you find harder than other people and that deserves compassion absolutely exactly and you know there are so many things that ADHDers are incredible at so many of us are incredibly charismatic and very creative and you know really intuitive and there are so many things that we are great at and I feel so much better about those parts of me now I haven't reduced my worth to the things that I'm not great at. Can I ask you, this is probably the last last thing, but can I ask you about medication? And I don't know how much you can talk about that. Obviously, you're not a doctor, um, but can you say a bit about that? And Because I think the, the medication has this, um, maybe there's a bit of a 
Speaking like people think about children taking Ritalin or something, yeah. don't they? Like, oh, it's terrible, children taking Ritalin. Can you say a bit about that and how it works and whether it's helpful? Of course, yeah. So I have been prescribed medication. Um, depending on where I'm at, um, honestly, even during the month, like depending on my fluctuating hormone levels, I will sometimes need it more often than not. Um, I know dependent on the medication um, that is prescribed, some people might have to take it daily. I don't. Um, I do take Ritalin, but sometimes I will really need that extra boost and that's what medication can help with um I think you know it works very differently for lots of different people and there are stimulants and non-stimulants and you know there are various dosages you can take one in the morning that releases throughout the day or you can take several that are short release there are so many options But I think, you know, personally, I I originally didn't want to try it. Not that I had any um, negative feelings towards it. I was like, oh, just let me see if I can do it, you know, if I can make it work without. Um, But medication can help with so many things, including, as we said earlier, regulating emotions, which was difficult for me as well. And it can help with the, like, holding your focus. And honestly, I just think if you need something to help every day be a little bit more livable for you, um, then that's completely valid. I, as I said, was just a little bit hesitant, but I'm so glad that I decided to just try it and see. There are some days that, yeah, I just feel a little bit more mentally resilient. So, you know, if I get a bit frustrated at myself because I'm struggling with something, then, you know, I kind of make that decision in the morning whether I, you know, how how much I think I'll be able to juggle that day or if I've got a particularly hard task that I need to get done. But I think, yeah, if, if you need some extra support in the same way that I would talk about antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication. Um, There is absolutely no shame in, you know, receiving that support. There is no reason, in my opinion, that we should just struggle when the option is there for us to use. I even have friends who they've tried one medication and it doesn't really work for you. You know, some of them do have some side effects. For example, for me, like I'd get a bit of jaw right? I had a bit of a history of clenching my jaw sometimes when I was either anxious or focusing. Um, and it did um, increase that a little bit. But for me, like that was relatively manageable. Um, and the effects of taking the medication kind of balanced out um, the side effects. But I have friends who it isn't working for them. So they'll go back to their prescriber and have a chat and maybe try another one. Some people it doesn't work for at all, honestly, but there are so many options out there. And I think it's a really good thing um, that people feel able to rely on things that help them out. Obviously, as we said, I'm not a medical professional, but I think it's definitely a positive thing to just explore all of your options. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the way my family member kind of described it it's like you're you're a neurodivergent person trying to live in a uh neurotypical sorry world and so you're trying to you've got to fit in with the systems of the world that we live in which is very difficult and actually if something helps you to to manage 
the things that you need to manage and, and live your life, then, you know, it makes sense to, to, to try it. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think that's spot on. It's, it's difficult. There are lots of things that make being a neurodivergent person living in a neurotypical world very difficult. And um, if something helps you and allows you to navigate that in a way that is more comfortable for you, then I think, you know, try it if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything you shared. So interesting. And I hope it helps people whether they've, you know, they've, they're struggling with things themselves and wonder if they have ADHD, they have it, or maybe they want to support a friend who Absolutely. is going through this. I think it's so important to talk about this. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. As as you know, obviously we have so much more information um, than we could probably ever discuss, even in a, a several hour chat um, over on Instagram. Our handle is just I am paying attention and you can find our website that way too but um it's such a delight to be able to have these conversations and I'm so glad that we are talking about it more because talking about it more hopefully means that more people can just live more authentically and I think that's really important absolutely thank you so much thank you so much (laughs) You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Bretheridge. Don't forget you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmayou.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions. Please do subscribe to this podcast in the Apple Podcast app. And if you have enjoyed it or found it helpful, please leave me a review. It makes a massive difference to helping the podcast get discovered by other people. And come on over and find me on Instagram. I'm hanging out there every day. You can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And please do share it with anyone who might need to hear this today. So I'm sending you loads of love and I hope you have a brilliant week ahead. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.